0: There's a bloke called Robert Fulgram. He's a a well-known author, highly acclaimed author. In his book, Uh Uh-Oh!, he tells the story of Norman, a grade three boy. Now, Norman was a quiet boy who talked only when he had something to say. Otherwise, he figured talking was a waste of time. He had a mind of his own, and some people actually thought he was a little bit different. In Fulgram's story, Norman's teacher announces to the grade three class that the play for the year, the play that they're gonna perform for their parents will be Cinderella. Immediately there's chaos in the classroom. Hands shoot up everywhere. Little girls are trying to get the teacher's attention. I wanna be Cinderella. And little boys are super excited about the prospect of playing a handsome prince. But when those parts are gone, the interest turns to securing other roles, the wicked stepmother, the ugly stepsister, and on it goes. Somehow the teacher manages to wade through all of the requests and assign roles to each child until all the children have roles to play, except for Norman. Norman has been sitting quietly, watching and waiting. Since all the parts are taken, even a number of roles invented by the teacher, and knowing Norman's way of being, the teacher turns to Norman and says, "'What character would you like to be?' Norman shoots back straight away, "'I would like to be the pig.' "'Pig,' replied the teacher, "'but there's no pig in Cinderella.' "'There is now,' said Norman." (laughs) Well, Norman went to work straight away, designing his own costume. Out comes um, a pair of pink long underwear topped off with a paper cup for a nose and a pipe cleaner for a tail. When the practices were on and uh, people were doing their parts, the pig would wander forward and follow Cinderella around the stage. And everywhere Cinderella went, the pig would reflect the mood of Cinderella. So when Cinderella was happy, the pig was super happy. When Cinderella was sad, the pig became very sad. One look at Norman and the audience knew the emotions of the moment. The play ended with the handsome prince putting the glass slipper on Cinderella's foot. And then the happy couple hugged and ran off stage. Well, Norman went wild. He was so excited that he pranced around the stage in unbridled piggy joy. And then he began to bark like a dog. When they were rehearsing the play, the teacher had tried to explain to Norman that pigs don't bark. But true to form, Norman said that this pig barked. (laughs) The play was presented to the local teachers' conference, and it was a great success. Everyone applauded as the different actors came back out on stage. But one character received a standing ovation, the barking pig. Who was, after all, the real Cinderella? Norman refused to be limited by the official script. He refused to believe that he had no place, and rather than the script limiting him, he found a way to enhance it, to bring it to life, and to add laughter and surprise. When Jesus of Nazareth turned up and he announced that he was the Messiah, When he said that he was the promised one of God, the one that the people of Israel had been waiting for, those who were the religious experts in that community scoffed at him. There was no Jesus in their script. What was he thinking? According to those who were considered experts on God, Jesus did God all wrong. He hung out with the wrong people, poor people, outcasts, sinners. He spoke about God all wrong. He spoke of a God of love and mercy, a God who ran to prodigals, who offered undeserved forgiveness. He spoke of a God who seemed to actually like people, all people, women, children, even those who didn't do religion well. And even the circumstances of his birth, according to these experts, showed how far he was from fitting their idea of Messiah. The very idea of God's chosen one, the Messiah, showing up in a barn, in poverty, in obscurity, born to an unwed teenager. That was no way that God would show up. According to these religious experts, according to their Messiah script, God's chosen one would turn up as a conquering king, not as a Jesus. There was no Jesus in their script. No room for him at all. No room for what he represented or revealed about God. But what if? What if they were wrong? What if those experts were wrong? And what could it say about God if what Christians celebrate at Christmas is true? If the story of that first Christmas is actually true? What if this barn born Jesus was the Messiah? What if he was actually God's chosen one? And what if Jesus is God with skin on? Philip Yancey in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, talks about the fact that if Jesus came to reveal God to us, what can I learn about God from that first Christmas? He says that the words that come to his mind as he ponders that question takes him by surprise. Humble, approachable, underdog. Courageous. Words that hardly seem appropriate to describe God. Humble. In ancient times, humility was not a character quality that was viewed as being admirable or desirable. The renowned historian Edwin Judge states that humility in ancient Greek and Roman ethics would be a degrading thing. To put yourself down to a level you were not born to, or that your standing in life did not require you to be in was disgraceful. It was debasing. There was not virtue in it at all. Humility in first century was associated with failure and shame. Many years after Jesus' birth, the early church leader Paul wrote a letter to a church in a place called Philippi. And his words in that letter caused shockwaves in that community of believers. He wrote of this Jesus whom he followed as Messiah, who he was convinced about as Messiah, and he said this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Those words back then written to that church would have challenged deeply the commonly held views about God in that community. A God who would humble himself. Could it be that God would willingly set aside his power for the benefit of those he loved? Could it be that God would willingly choose shame and disgrace? This deal about God making himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant and becoming human is is for those in that time so astonishingly incredible, it's almost absurd. For those people, particularly the Jews, God was like he's described in Psalm 113. The writer of the Psalms says that God is higher than anything and anyone outshining everything you can see in the skies, and goes on to say, who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Those in the ancient world liked the idea of a God who stooped down to look at the heavens and the earth. But a God who chose to step down, A God who chose to step down and become one of us. A God who chose to humble himself. Well, that was something else. A God who would choose to take human form by being born to an unwed teenager. An unwed teenager who was homeless. She had been forced to look for shelter while traveling to meet the heavy demands of a foreign power that had occupied her country. In the months that followed the birth of her baby Jesus, her little family, Joseph and her son Jesus, would be forced to flee their own country and become refugees in Africa. They were forced to flee injustice and violence. God in human form, seemingly powerless and vulnerable. So, what could be gained? What could be gained by God by humbling himself in such an extreme manager, manner? Why would he do something like this? Could it be that God learned what it was like to be human? Not from the safety and comfort of a palace or a mansion, but from 33 years that he walked this earth. He learnt to suffer with. The writer of the book of Hebrews reports that Jesus became a sympathetic advocate for us. And there is only one way to learn sympathy, as signified by the Greek words sin and pathos. To feel or to suffer with. Because of Jesus, Hebrews implies that God understands. Having lived here, having prayed here, having suffered with, he understands. God gets it. God gets it. A God who actually knows what it's like to do life here on earth. A God who doesn't just know about it from a safe distance, but a God who has experienced it. The writer of Hebrews uses this phrase, that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus, God in human form, tasted death. And he tasted death for all of us. God's understanding of disappointment, of pain, of betrayal, of suffering and even death is based on personal experience. This choice by God to be able to identify fully and understand completely adds an amazing facet to the greatness and the goodness of God. My belief is that God stepped down. And that step down was a big one. It involved so much more than many of us have ever tried to grasp. And it began in that barn in a place called Bethlehem. Back in Jesus' day, when he wandered around this earth, the religious people, the experts, decided that there was no Jesus in their Messiah script. No part for him at all. And instead they clung on to their script, the ideas that suited them about how God should be. I think that just as Norman added to the Cinderella script, Jesus of Nazareth enhances the script about God. He brings life. He brings surprise. He makes God look better. He fills the script with even greater wonder and he continues he challenges us to continue to look and keep looking this humble king of kings this god who has never played it safe when it comes to those he loves this christmas my prayer is that you might allow this one called jesus to help shape and add to your script about god that you would make room for him in your script And my prayer is that you might find that he adds so much to your ideas and your understanding and even your experience of God. Would you pray with me? Father, some of us have done Christmas a lot of times. Help us not to get over it. Help us never ever to lose just the wonder of this deal that you would step down. That you would give up your glory. That in the form of your son, you would take the form of a human, just like us. That you would live here and experience life on this planet. And Lord, I'm thankful that you understand. You get it. You get what it's like for us. I thank you that you love us enough. You love us so much that you would do that. I pray for lots of us, that you would help us to just be in awe and wonder of how great and how good you are and what the Christmas story says about you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.